you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, how are we doing, how are we doing, and welcome to episode number 62 of the Banner Banter Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How are we doing? How was your weekend? How was your Christmas? Did you get a Celtics starter jacket like I did? Probably not. That sucks for you. I am exhausted. I am recording this after I went to the embarrassing Patriots loss earlier today, or if you're listening to it on Monday when I posted it uh, earlier yesterday. And I sound dead because I am. A couple Celtics games, a couple shows at work, and then cap it off with an embarrassing Patriots game. I am all sorts of ugh. But anyways, what's going on? Welcome to the Banner Banter Podcast. You can find me on the Twitter machine at Banner Banter 18 or on Facebook and Instagram at Banner Banter Podcast. Celtics go 2-1 this week. They're currently 22-8. and So, hey, 30 games in. Do you think the Celtics are going to be 22-8? and No. Are you still angry about the Raptors game from the other day? Yes. But they beat the Raptors on Christmas Day, 118-102. Then they beat the Cavs, 129-117, to at home on Friday afternoon. Place was packed. Place was absolute. It was a zoo. Place was packed. It, the Cavs game on Friday had more people show up than the Thursday night 76ers game earlier in the month. Makes no sense to me. Makes absolutely no sense to me. I mean, it does. Families, Friday. I get it. But, and... But yeah, it was just, it was so weird to see like a lot of empty seats against the 76ers and the Cavs are in town, one of the worst teams in the NBA. Place is packed, absolutely packed. And then the third game of the week where the Celtics lost, 113-97 to to the Toronto Raptors. They are currently third in the Eastern Conference overall behind the Milwaukee Bucks and the Miami Heat. And they are currently a game and a half ahead of both the 76ers and the Toronto Raptors. So... Right away, let's get in to stud and dud of the week. I need to get some motivation to really power through this podcast this week because, like I said, I'm I'm a zombie, and we're going to talk about how Marcus Smart was basically a zombie in this edition of Stud and Dud of the Week. So hit the music. And now it is time for the Celtics stud and the Celtics dud of the week. All right, your Celtic stud and dud of the week on episode 62 of the Banner Banter Podcast. The stud of the week has to be Jalen Brown for two out of his three performances this week. On Christmas Day, he was absolutely unbelievable. Lights out. I'll break it down shortly for you. 10 of 13 from the field, 5 of 7 from threes, 6 boards, 3 assists, and then against the Cavs, he was 13 of 20 from the field, 5 of 10 for three, which means Jalen Brown in two games was 10 of 17 for three. I don't think that's ever happened. Then he had nine boards and two assists. And then against the Raptors, I mean, he played okay. I mean, five of 12 from the field. He made six out of eight free throws, scored 17 points, had five boards. 
had three steals. He was pretty good defensively. So overall, your stud this week, well-deserved Jalen Brown. I mean, Jalen Brown looked like an all-star against the Cavs. He looked like an all-star against the Raptors on Christmas Day. And then he looked like he wasn't even close to being an all-star this past Saturday when the Celtics lost to the Raptors at home. And your dud of the week is Marcus Smart's eyes. I just want to make this perfectly clear. I hate eyes. You know, if you, you know, behind these hazel eyes by Michelle Branch, Kelly Clarkson, whichever one it is from the early 2000s, great song. But eyes in general really creep me out and I absolutely hate them. Here's the, here's the deal. I hate eyes so much, like, I could watch a horror movie and see someone's head get cut off and probably laugh, but if you even get three feet close enough to my eyes, yes, I said three feet, not three inches, I will freak out. I absolutely hate it. Like, anything around the eyes, like, threading of the eyebrows when you walk by through the mall, when people, like, when people put on, like, makeup, um... It's just all so gross to me, like when people like, like when the Undertaker from the WWF like rolls his eyes in the back of his head, it, it all just creeps me out. And Marcus Smart finally told the story about his terrible eye infection that he had. It was like conjunctivitis meets a viral infection meets just grossness. He basically said he thought he was going to go blind, which is absolutely crazy. He said that the doctor said. They thought it was the worst case of pink eye they have ever seen. Basically, he was a guinea pig to see how to handle this if it ever happens to someone else. He said it was painful. It was burning really hard. He said he couldn't see and he had to wear outdoor sunglasses everywhere. So, okay. I feel like most people these days, you know, like especially celebrities, they wear sunglasses inside, outside, nightclubs, not at nightclubs, the convenience store, I feel like they wear them all the time. So I feel like that wasn't a major adjustment for him. Then he goes on and says, every morning I would wake up just having sticky discharge coming out of my eyes that was sealing my eyes shut. It was really gross. It got so bad that my eyes and my eyelids started forming this mucous membranes and they literally had to go in and pry the mucous membranes out of his eyelids. He even showed a picture of it to his teammates. He then went on and said that he was bleeding tears every single time they took out that mucous membrane literally for like a whole day he said the first day was probably the worst just because it built up so much and then it started to scab under his eyelids and they had to open up the scab and pull it out that oh my god insert m&m puke my oh good grief that was so yeah so this week This podcast is off to a rapid and awkward and fiery start. So, yeah, this week's stud and dud of the week, your stud is Jalen Brown, and your dud is Marcus Smart's eyes because I can't believe I just talked about that for that long. Let's dive right into Christmas. Ho, 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 all that good stuff. Merry Christmas to all. I hope everyone had a great Christmas. Um, I Like I said, I got a Celtics starter jacket. So pumped about it, so cool about it, and I hope all of you got Celtics memorabilia. Celtics merchandise and most importantly Celtics tickets and by all means please come up to section 315 row 15 and visit me sometimes thanks a lot so Christmas Day the Celtics finally end their eight game losing streak in Toronto yes that's right the last eight times the Celtics have played in Toronto they have lost and then they finally broke through and it was actually Jalen Brown's first win in the country of Canada so there's another reason why Jalen Brown is your stud of the week. This game was the definition of runs from start to finish. The Raptors came out really hard, hot. They started the game on a 10-0 run. Brad calls a timeout, and then the Celtics 
go on a 22 to 4 run and during that 22 to 4 run the Celtics played nine players and seven of them scored that is teamwork because teamwork makes the dream work then after all that the Raptors went on a run to cut down the Celtics double digit lead to about four or five in the second quarter. The Celtics got kind of lazy. They got sloppy. It was annoying. It kind of happened with the Cavs, too. They couldn't really put the team away, and it kind of pissed me off. And then Jason Tatum in the first half and probably overall in the game, does he know what layups are? Has he ever heard of, like, the George Mikan drill, like anything at all? I don't understand why he can't finish at the rim. I really don't. He goes up, and it's just like, ooh, don't hit me. Oh, ouch, you're on my hip. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, go up strong. You're a grown-ass man. Get hit. Go to the free-throw line. Ugh, it's so annoying. And he started the game 1 of 10. 1 of 10. How do you start the game 1 of 10 if you're Jason Tatum? Who was defending him? Anobi? Rondé Hollis Jefferson? Like, no one good. Attack the basket and finish your layups. It's getting so annoying. It's, like, is he doing this whole, like, Dribble, 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 step back that he's been doing recently because he can't hit layups. That's not good. Hopefully he doesn't hit those jumpers, and then he'll start hitting layups and be more confident doing it. It's it's absolutely driving me nuts. But what was great is the Celtics came out strong in the third quarter. Jason Tatum, first play of the third quarter, came out, stuck a three. You're like, okay, maybe Jason Tatum will find his rhythm. He didn't. The team overall, they actually shot 7 of 11 from three, which was huge, especially in the third quarter. And... This is what this is how they started the third quarter. Tatum came out, stuck a three. Tice made a bucket. Gordon hit a three. They're now up 12. Then both teams went back and forth a little bit. Jalen Kemba combined for nine points during that time. And then Jalen Brown just absolutely went out of his mind. He scored 16 out of his 30 points in the third quarter, including this beautiful double crossover pull-up jumper. And it was probably all over ESPN. It was probably all over the Celtics' Twitter. Everyone saw it. It was beautiful. Jalen's ball handling has improved a great deal. If you guys remember at the end of last season when I wanted each player to work on something, the thing that I asked Jalen Brown to work on was his ball handling. And in that moment, I was proud. I was proud because he worked on it. He he probably doesn't listen to this podcast, but I'm going to pretend that he did. And it worked. He did not want to let me down with his ball handling skills. So congratulations to you. And speaking of congratulations, Ennis Cantor. What a crazy story. And shout out to the Canadian government for letting him go across the border because as I figure most of you know, because most of you are Celtics fans that are listening to this podcast. If you're not and you're just a good friend, you just like to hear my voice. Thanks. But Ennis Cantor cannot like leave the United States of America. He can't travel outside the country. He reached out to Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, and they granted him full permission and security to come and play for the Boston Celtics, and it was awesome. It it must have been terrifying for Ennis Cantor to go to a different country not knowing what is going to happen to him. I'm sure that was scary for him. I'm sure that was scary for teammates, the coaching staff, and the entire organization. And so shout-out to the Raptors, shout-out to the Canadian Prime Minister, and then shout-out to the Boston Celtics for making sure everyone was safe and everyone who was involved made it through. Okay, so shout-out to him. It, it, I'm sure it was a scary, difficult, yet happy moment for an Ennis Cantor. So congratulations to him. And he was awesome in this game. 12 points, 11 boards, 18 minutes overall. And his hands were great. I've really noticed over the last couple of weeks, Ennis has great hands. Like he can catch low passes, high passes, fast passes, awkward passes. His hands are really good in the post. And he's so good at when he catches just 
moving his body. And that is something that I wish Jalen and Jason Tatum would do sometimes. I feel like these guys now, when they catch the ball in the post, they have to like stop, look around, dribble, maybe do a little shoulder fake, maybe lean in, maybe lean out. When Cantor catches the ball and he moves right to the basket, and I love that. And it's so great to see. So shout out to Ennis Cantor with his good hands, the fact that he was safe going to a different country, and the fact that we can celebrate that he had 26 rebounds this week over the three games, which for those of you at home that don't know how to do math, it's about nine rebounds a game basically. So shout out to Ennis Cantor, and let's do a Cantor banter. He's a man who loves to get a double-double, but when it comes to the Turkish government, he's in a lot of trouble. It's time for Cantor banter, baby. Wow! Okay, the other one more final note about the Raptors game on Christmas was Gordon Hayward finally came back from his sore foot injury, and he looked really good. And you could 1,000% say that the Celtics offense is so much better when Gordon Hayward's on the floor. No questions asked. Don't pass go. Don't collect $200. And I'm sure you're saying to yourself, yeah, no shit, Tim. Of course he is. But it's... Yes, I understand he's a former all-star. He really knows what he's doing. But it just it just flows so nicely when, when he's out there most of the time. And he filled the stat sheet. 14 points, two steals, one block, six assists, five boards. And he looked comfortable out there. He didn't look that comfortable in the Cavs game, which we'll talk about in a second. He couldn't hit the ocean if he was standing in it. He, he didn't play that great, but he got everyone involved. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I'm glad to see that Gordon Hayward's back. Speaking of people that are coming back, Marcus Smart also came back against the Raptors, and we'll talk about that game in a bit as well. So, the Cavs game. We talked about Gordon Hayward. He didn't shoot the ball that well. A lot of his shots were way off, and I'm talking way off, like not even close. But he ended up with eight assists. At one point, the Celtics as a team had 24 assists, and Gordon Hayward had eight of them, which means he had a third, one-third of all the assists for the Boston Celtics. Sorry, my brain literally was just like... I hate you. Stop working. You overwork yourself. Um, but <laughs> he only had one turnover all game, eight assists, got everyone involved. I absolutely loved it. And what we all loved, what we all needed, what we finally what we finally needed in our lives was the fact that Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum both dropped 30 points in a, in the same game. It was the first time two Celtics players under the age of 23 have done that in 19 years. The last time that happened was March 23rd, 2000, by Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker. And Paul Pierce and Antoine Walker gave us some great moments together. And I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to play together for a very, 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 very long time. And what's crazy is it's the seventh time this season they have combined for 50 or more points. And when that happens, the Celtics are 7-0. and So that's great. I love that, right? It makes you feel good. You know, Jalen had 34 and 9. Tatum had 30 and 5. They both went 5 of 10 from 3, which means they went 10 of 20 combined from 3, 50%. You got to love it. The difference between Jason Tatum in the Raptors game and the difference between Jason Tatum in the Cavs game, guess what? He did a lot of the little things right. He was attacking the hoop with smaller defenders, with smaller defenders on him. Usually when he sees any type of mismatch, 
he just like dribbles, kind of takes it up. But this time, he kind of saw it, would roll off, would roll off the guy, try and lay it in. He was actually hitting his layups. He was actually hitting, being able to go to the free throw line. It was really good to see. But I have an issue with Jason Tatum, and it's starting to scare me. I feel like Jason Tatum is only good against bad teams, and it's starting to sort of freak me out. For example, the Saturday game against the Raptors, he only scored 12 points. Okay, The last time they played the Raptors on Christmas Day, he scored 11 points. When they played the 76ers and the Pacers earlier in the month in that back-to-back, the Wednesday and Thursday night game, he had 16 points against the Pacers, 15 points against the 76ers. And when when they played the Heat at the beginning of the month, he had 19 points. Then he plays the Cavs, he drops 30. He plays the Hornets, he drops 39. He plays the Pistons, he drops 26. He plays the Knicks, he drops 30. That is concerning that Jason Tatum can't show up against better teams in big moments. And I'm starting to get really concerned about it. Like, congratulations, you dropped 39 points against the Raptors. I would have preferred if you didn't go 3 of 7 from the field on Saturday night in the, in the loss to the Raptors in where you only scored 12 points and you had 6 turnovers. And Jason Tatum looked like he didn't even want to play Saturday. But when the Cavs are in town, or the Knicks are in town, or the Hornets are in town, let's pick it up. How about we do the opposite? How about you don't show up against the shitty teams, and then you show up against the good teams? But with that being said, you could say that the last two weeks, who's going to be... If Kemba was on lock for the All-Star team, I mean, Kemba Walker's going to be on the All-Star team, and you had one other Celtics player to join him. Obviously, at the beginning of the season, you could say it was Gordon Hayward, right? Gordon Hayward was unbelievable until he broke his hand. And then who are you picking? If you had to pick one, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? I would say over these last two weeks, it's Jalen Brown. No questions asked. And right as of right now, folks, you can vote for the All-Star team every single day. I've been doing it. Even a couple uh, couple votes for Vincent Poirier. I haven't said that in a while, but yes. Even a couple votes for Vincent Poirier. That's right. You can vote for Kemba, Gordon, Marcus, Jalen, Daniel Tice, Cantor, or other guys too. I always vote for J.J. Redick. I always vote for Bradley Beal. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. You go to Celtics.com. You go to Google.com. You can vote on Twitter. It's bananas. You can vote everywhere, so go do that. And hopefully Tatum, Jalen, and Kemba all make the team. But I think it's only going to be Kemba and one of those two. And as of right now, you got to give it to Jalen Brown with the way that he's playing. But we still got a long way to go until they make that decision. The Celtics have a lot of games against a lot of crappy teams in January which means it could be Jason Tatum time. But anyways, let's get back to the bad things that the Celtics did in this Cavs game because the first was their defense. I swear to God, the Celtics forget to play. No, like literally forget how to play defense. Just like right there, I forgot how to speak. The Celtics literally forget how to play defense sometimes, and it's very annoying. They just let guys blow right by them when when they're up big, and it's really annoying. And they did have a lot of great closeouts on three-point shooters in this game. Like Kevin Love hit a lot of crazy tough shots. And we'll talk about Kevin Love in a second. But they close out. But when you close out on three-point shooters, sometimes it's very easy to let someone go by you. But other people need to come over and help. They need to slide down, leave their man, defensive rotations. If one guy slides down, someone pushes out, and the other guy comes over, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to get into X's and O's because it's a podcast on a video cast or a video blog or whatever the hell they're calling it, or a TV show, I guess. Yeah, Tim, that's what... That's what it would be called, the freaking TV show. Um, but they can't put teams away. This game, The Celtics were up 20 at one point in the third quarter, and it was down to single digits early in the fourth quarter. 
Why? You have the game the next day. Just put him away. It, the fact that Jalen and Kemba, and I don't think Tatum played a lot late in the fourth quarter, but Kemba and Jalen were out there with like six minutes left, so they didn't blow the game. No, 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 no. That can't happen. Like they, you know you have a big game the next day. Just put them away. Everyone just nut up and shut up and just put them away so everyone can only have to play three quarters versus four, and then you have a big game the next day. Uh, it was very, very, very aggravating. Now, what was interesting was Kevin Love. Kevin Love had a very nice game for the Cavs. It almost was like, hey, I want to play here. Get me to play here. He had 29, 30 points in this game. It was crazy. And I'm sorry, everyone. Even though Kevin Love wants to come here, and even though Kevin Love looked like he would be a perfect like off-the-bench guy to help us score a little bit because he was lights out shooting the ball, he found great open spots to get easy points, especially close to the basket, it's just not going to happen. We would have to give up so much stuff to get him there. It's just not going to happen. Then you have Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman from the Sacramento Kings, he, another center, and I and I... And I know I'm like transitioning from like recapping the Cavs game to like rumors, but I I figured putting Kevin Love together, you might as well just go with the rumors because everyone for some odd reason wants Kevin Love on the Celtics. It's just not going to happen unless he gets bought out, and then you have to take so much less money to join the Celtics. So I really and truly don't see it happening. But shout out to Kevin Love for having a very nice game this past Friday at TD Garden. So Dwayne Dedman, who plays for the Sacramento Kings, he recently stated. He wants out. He doesn't want to play for the team anymore, and I think he would be an awesome fit. He'd be really good. He's athletic. He can defend shots. He's a good rebounder. That perfect backup big that we need if Time Lord is going to turn out into anything, which breaks my heart. But we still got a long way to go with Time Lord, and I hold out hope, and I hope he's – I mean, I think Time Lord's going to be back either this upcoming week or the following week, and maybe Dwayne, Dwayne De- uh, Dedman's not needed. But here's the thing. He makes $13.3 million a year, and the Celtics don't have that type of money. So he'd have to be bought out and then come here for cheap. And there are a lot of playoff teams that would love an extra big. Like, you don't think that the Toronto Raptors would want Deadman? I mean, the 76ers don't need back, any more backup bigs. The Heat don't need backup bigs. The Bucks don't need backup bigs. The Celtics do. The Pacers might if they get rid of Sabonis or Turner. I don't think they will, but they might. I'm sure the Nets would like some more production out of someone outside of DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. So that will be interesting. But again, $13.3 million to get Dwayne Dedman here. It's just not going to happen. Jeff Green, he's a free agent now. He Recently, the Cavs traded Jordan Clarkson and Deontay Exum for, and then a couple draft picks. But because of that, Jeff Green got cut. I was a Jeff Green fan when he was here. I'm not a Jeff Green fan now, so I do not want him to join the Boston Celtics. Let's talk about the Raptors game. Let's talk about this Raptors game that really disappointed me because the Celtics came out flat in the first, they came out flat in the second, they came out flat in the third, and then they absolutely pooped their pants in the fourth quarter, scoring 18 points. They actually started 0 of 7. Marcus Smart returned. Marcus Smart should have never, ever, 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 like Kanye West style, should have taken nine shots in this game. Marcus Smart to start the fourth quarter, and I know I'm skipping over a lot, but Marcus Smart in the fourth quarter gave me an eye infection. It, he really and truly did. It's like, I don't understand how you could be off for three and a half weeks. You almost went blind, and you can come out and start jacking up threes to start the fourth quarter like you're a savior. 
I don't get it. I absolutely don't get it. It was so infuriating. Man, that was so infuriating. All game, the Celtics, wow, that was really hot on my level, and I'm sure it was really hot on your guys' level too, and I'm sorry. But all game long, the Celtics were just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and then the second they got close, the Raptors were like, hold my beer, and they would just extend the lead again. It's a game of runs, and the Raptors had more runs, they had better runs, and they put the Celtics away in the fourth quarter, just like you wish the Celtics put the Cavs away, and maybe some some of the guys would have gotten some rest. Now, the Raptors came in probably pissed off. This was the first time that they were playing since Christmas, so they had Thursday off, they had Friday off, they flew, they're pissed off, and I actually think they lost tonight on the second night of a back-to-back. I'll I'll have to double-check, but it doesn't really matter because this is a Celtics podcast, not a Raptors podcast, but they, they played great. Kyle Lowry. I hate Kyle Lowry. Oh my God, there is no one on the face of the earth that complains more than Kyle Lowry. I I don't even think like Donald Trump complains as much as Kyle Lowry does. It is absolutely incredible. All Kyle Lowry does is complain, but hey, it works out for him. 5 of 10 from 3, went to the line 6 times, 30 points, plus 9 overall. He was fantastic. What wasn't fantastic was the Celtics' first quarter free throw shooting. Oh my God, They, they missed 5 or 6 free throws in the first quarter, and I think they were down what, 11, 10 or 11 to end the quarter. So if you make all your free throws, I'm not saying you got to make all your free throws. No NBA team is making all their free throws every game. But you can't miss five or six in the first quarter. You can't. Unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. So if you make those five or six, it's now, you know, 36-31, 36-30. And you're feeling good about yourself because you did, even though you did come out flat, the Raptors came out even more flat in the second quarter. And you were you won the quarter by five or six points. So you would have gone into the game tied. It would have felt so much. It would have been a different vibe versus being down five. And then at the end of the third quarter, being down 10. And then overall losing by 16. It was just super, super frustrating. Kemba was awesome. But the Raptors lit up Ennis Cantor in the pick-and-roll defense. Oh, my God. Ennis Cantor's pick-and-roll defense is one of the most heartbreaking things to watch. I'm being serious. You could watch The Notebook. You could watch Homeward Bound, and it won't make you cry as much as how bad and sad Ennis Cantor's pick-and-roll defense is, especially in this game. Serge Ibaka... I mean, that's how Serge Ibaka, that's how he got all his points. I mean, he had 20 points, 10 boards, and then Kyle Lowry, off of every screen, Cantor's not big enough to hedge, or I'm sorry, quick enough to hedge and put his hand up, and Kyle Lowry just shoots the three over him. It's so annoying. It's so annoying, and it's going to affect the Celtics against a good shooting team. Like, Ennis Cantor pick-and-roll defense against the Pacers, they'll get torched. The Raptors, they'll get torched. The Bucks, they'll get torched. The 76ers, they need shooting. They need shooting because they've had a couple bad losses. I mean, they had a hell of a win against the Bucks, and then they pooped themselves the rest of the week. But just a just a crappy game from, like, everyone. Hayward was 3 of 13. He missed six three-pointers. But, you know, and he only had three assists, which isn't good, which means the ball movement wasn't there in any way, shape, or form. And it just looked like the Raptors wanted it. They really did. The Celtics' defense sucked. Their offense just looked like it was crazy. And you get excited because towards the end of the... Oh, God, when was it? It The last, like, three minutes of the second quarter, the Celtics went on, like, a 13-3 run or a 13-5 run, and it was Kemba, 
Marcus, Gordon, Jalen, and Jason all on the floor. And you're like, oh, they're together. It's alive. And it worked out because they cut the lead because they were down like, you know, I think they were down like 13, 14 points, and they cut it down to five or six before halftime. And it was those five. And it was incredible to see them switch because, you know, Kemba, as long as Kemba's not switching onto a big, they all those guys can guard any position. Kemba can't guard Serge Ibaka, but Gordon can, Jason can, Jalen can, Marcus can. And it was the defense was really cool to see how they would rotate, how they would talk, how they would switch defensively. I really, really liked it. The offense looked good too, but then like I felt like Brad didn't try it again, which is frustrating. But I know they were mon- monitoring Marcus Smart's minutes coming back right away. And anyways, it the Raptors game was I just thought the worst loss of the year. Like you can say the 76ers game sucked. You you could do all of it. I think this Raptors loss was just so disappointing. We were fully healthy minus the Time Lord and then but for the most part, all your main guys were there, ready to go, and you played like crap in front of your home crowd on the second night of a back-to-back at home. And that, that was just super disappointing, and it sucked. Let's preview the upcoming games of the week, and then I have one little thing, little, little bit of information for you as the college basketball season is, really starts to ramp up. But the upcoming week, the Boston Celtics play three games. The first, on New Year's Day at 3 p.m. in Charlotte which will be cool. And then they're home against the Hawks on Friday, January 3rd, and then they're back on the road on the next night, Saturday, January 4th, versus the Chicago Bills. Bills. The Chicago Bulls. So they have three games this week. They'll be fine, especially in the second night of a back-to-back. These three teams combined, their record is 32-68. and 68. The Celtics are 22-8, and eight, so they're only 10 wins behind with three teams combined wins. Pretty, pretty interesting. Let's preview the Hornets game, shall we? It should be another win for the Boston Celtics. I'm just going to come out flat out and say that because of the last two meetings between these two teams. The Celtics have beat them twice now this year by an average of 23.5 points. I would say that's a good thing. I would say, let's blow them out of the water again. I would also say, don't walk into there being a cocky asshole and then play like crap. But the Hornets have a losing record, which means we could have a big game from Jason Tatum. And... Because the last time the Hornets and the Celtics played, Jason Tatum got his career high, 39 points, and they're going to make some adjustments, just like Brad Stevens should make some adjustments with Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham, like I've said previously, should win most improved player this year. He's been unbelievable. And in the first quarter of the last time that the Hornets were in town, which was the Sunday before Christmas, he went 5-5 from three in the first quarter, and he scored over 20 points, lit up the Celtics, and, you know, that just can't happen. So I'm sure for the Hornets end, they're like, Jason Tatum can't score 39 again. And from the Celtics side again, you have to get out on Devontae Graham. Don't leave him open. Close out on him. Throw a hand in his face. Be physical with him. He's like, he's small. Let's go. Here's the other thing. Kemba Walker, remember, what was it, the first week in November, second week in November, like that Thursday night game, Kemba returned to Charlotte, and he was terrible. He went like 1 of 12 from the field. That isn't going to happen again, right? <laughs> right? The nerves should be gone. He's back to, sure, I understand he's back to where he's playing again. It's probably going to be a packed house for those people who couldn't see him the first time. They want to come see him again. I get it, but the nerves, all the stuff, all the welcome back, we missed you, all that stuff should be gone out of his system, and I'm expecting a big game from Kemba. The last time the Celtics played the Hornets, the bench was really good. The bench was actually terrific, and that has to continue. They have to outplay the Hornets bench, and I know that they can do it. But 
my big thing in this game is because the Celtics do have a pretty busy schedule in January. You know, there are, I think there are four or five times, um, so four or five times there. Yeah. I think it's like four times they play like four night, four games and six nights. It's going to be a busy month for the Celtics because if you look at it right now, the 76ers and I think the Raptors have played like four or five more games than you, and you're going to catch up because you got three games this week, then the next week you got four games, next week you got four games, next week you got three games, and then the following week you have four games. So that's pretty, yeah, so that's four times in four or five weeks where you're going to have to play four times in six days. Pretty crazy. So... Let's get some rest. Let's blow them out of the water, and let's make sure none of the starters have to play in the fourth quarter. That'd be great. Thanks. Hawks game. The Hawks game on Friday night, TD Garden, 7 o'clock. Should be a good game because I am shocked at how poorly the Hawks have been playing. I thought the Hawks were going to be really good this year. And what I mean by really good, like better than what they were last year. Maybe an eighth seed. Maybe not getting the eighth seed, but maybe fighting for it because, you know, they've – you figure Trey Young in year, what, two – John Collins is playing unbelievable, but he got suspended. But now he's back from his 25-game suspension for PED use. But the Hawks are, like, really bad. Like, really bad. So bad. They are 30th in offensive rating. They have the most turnovers in the NBA. They have a tw- they're have they 28th in defensive rating and 29th in rebound rating, which means those the most turnovers, that's great for the Celtics because the Celtics love forcing turnovers. They suck at rebounding. They suck at defense. And they can't put the ball in the basket. So this should be a win for the Celtics, you figure, right? I mean, they, to be fair, they have had to play the third toughest schedule in the league so far. And they won their first two games of the year. And now they have six wins. They've beaten the Pistons, the Magics, the Nuggets, the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Magic again. That's it. That's all that they've beaten. And it's pretty crazy that... (laughs) I'm trying to say this the right way, but I don't understand... How Trey Young can be can be on a team with DeAndre Hunter, an incredible rookie, Cam Reddish, who's a pretty good rookie, and a Dookie, and then have John Collins back and only win six games. I don't get it. Is it the coaching? Like, I literally don't get it. But I'm going to take a bad team. I'm going to bring him to TD Garden on a Friday night. The crowd's going to be going crazy, and we'll just blow him out of the water. Now, for those of you that love Vince Carter as much as I do, like my buddy Big T, who loves everything Vince Carter, and how can you not love Vince Carter? It will not be his last game at TD Garden. His last game at TD Garden will be on Friday, February 7th, and I hope the Celtics do something for him because he played a lot of games against the, with the Nets in the division, a lot of games against the Raptors in the division. So I hope the Celtics do something for Vince Carter because I have seen Vince Carter play so much, and I've always loved watching him play. The, the Hawks are a fun team. They really and truly are. And the Celtics should beat them, have to beat them. They will beat them. You know, like I said, they suck at rebounding. They suck at defense. They can't put the ball in the basket, and they can't take care of the ball. So make sure they can't do all that, and you win the basketball game. And then the final game of the week, Chicago Bulls game. Um, before we start talking about it, the the Bulls game, can we talk about the Chicago Bulls 1990s, like, you know, the 19, what what is it, like 91, 98 run they had? That documentary, even though it's going to be 10 parts and I have to wait until June to see it, oh, all those people like Obama's in it, Carmen Electra, Justin Timberlake, I feel like all those guys hated each other and we're going to find out why and how much and I'm here for it. If Michael Jordan 
could have played with a whole bunch of people that he hated or if everyone hated Michael Jordan and they were still that good, can you imagine what they would have been like if they all liked each other? <laughs> but I can't wait. It, I hope they play every single one of those 10-part series before every single one of the NBA Finals games. And then once the NBA Finals are over, play the final three parts. And I hope the NBA Finals go seven games. Yeah, that's what I have to say. I got chills watching it. I can't, and I can't wait to watch it. Let me just come out flat out and just say, I will be honest, I haven't followed the Bulls much this season. But I know they are getting better and better as the season go on. They started the season 1-4. and four, Then they, in November... 5 and 10 and now in December they're 7 and 6. They have a losing record on the road and at home but they're still in the playoff hunt. They're only like a game or two out from the 8th seed. So you're playing a potential playoff team. <laughs> but they only have like 12 or 13 wins this year and that's not great. They're bottom 8 in field goal percentage, they're bottom 8 in points per game, but they're in the top 15 in three point percentage. So they they can shoot the three point ball well, but they just can't score the basket if their three-point shots are off. If they can't shoot the three-pointer well, then guess what? They're not that great of a team. So guess what you have to do? You have to play good three-point defense. You can't play like you did against the Nets a few weeks ago. So that's very good. There are some players on this team that I love. I mean, Zach Levine, he's a great talent, freak of an athlete, can jump through the moon. He's not your number one on any team, but he is the number one on the Chicago Bulls team, and he's averaging over 23 points a game. He's a very good basketball player. And... I like the fact that the Celtics can throw Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, and Jason Tatum at him. They can throw a lot of different looks. They can throw Shemi at him. You know, you could even, I don't know if you could put Grant Williams on him, but if Grant Williams does have to switch on him, I'm confident that he could do that. And, oh, oh my God, folks, I can't believe I f forgot to mention this. Can we talk about how bad Romeo Langford's three-pointer was? I was thinking about all the wings that could defend <laughs> Zach Levine. Romeo Langford took a three-pointer on Saturday night, and it clanked off the side of the backboard. I laughed so hard and smiled. But his Romeo's defense is pretty good. I will give him that. Touche. But, so, yeah, you could throw even Romeo Langford at Zach Levine, but Zach Levine will probably torch him. Uh, Wendell Carter, good, you know, walking double-double. You know, he's, at, he's almost averaging a double-double right now. He's like, over 12 points and like nine and a half rebounds a game. So you're going to have to box him out. You know, I feel like it'd be a good matchup for Grant Williams. I think Jalen could, Jalen, I thought did a really good job against Abaka in the post, uh, especially at the end of that second quarter when the main five guys were out there. And I think Jalen can defend Wendell Carter and, you know, give him a hard time just in case if Tice or Cantor isn't out there. Wendell Carter's a dookie. So I do like him and I, he'll have a good game against the Celtics. He'll probably have a double-double, but as long as it doesn't get out of control, they'll be fine. Then they have Laurie Markkinen. He's on my fantasy hoops team. I think he's in his second or third year. I have no complaints about him. He's a really good shooter. He's a stretch four. You know, he's like the homeless Chris Bas Perzingis. You know, I think the Bulls wanted him to be what KP6 is, but he just hasn't turned out to it so far. He started off the year really hot, but he's kind of sizzled a little bit. So... I think that will be a good matchup for the Celtics. And then they have a bunch of guys from the Wizards when they were playing the Wizards in the playoffs when IT and Avery Bradley were around. Otto Porter Jr., Tom... St I don't know how to pronounce it. Is it Staransky? I think it's Staransky. Both of those guys are good. Staransky is a really is kind of like Gordon Hayward. He's a little bit bigger than a point guard. You know, he could play the two or the three, but he distributes the ball very well for this team. So keep an eye on that. And then Brad Wanamaker, Kemba Walker... Gordon Hayward, Marcus Smart, who's ever bringing up the ball, 
has to be careful of Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn is one of the best on-ball defenders in the league. He's averaging over two steals a game. He's very good. He can cause a lot of turnovers off the bench for this team. So Brad Wanamaker, use that forearm, bud. Make sure that he does not reach, and if he does reach, you teach and blow by him, and hopefully the Celtics can win the game on Saturday night at 8 o'clock in Chicago. So before I end the podcast, I just wanted to update like what's going on with the NBA draft, where the Celtics are, who you might want to look out for, because a lot of colleges are coming back from their school break, and a lot of the in-conference games for the NCAA will be happening, whether it's ACC, Big East, A-10, SEC, whatever the case may be. And I want you guys to keep your eye out. If you guys like college basketball as much as I do, I just want you to keep your eye out on a couple guys. So right now, the Grizzlies pick is 11th or 12th, which sucks because we were hoping it was going to be top six this year. That way it was protected. And then next year, it'd be unprotected. And if they suck then we could get like a top three, top four, top five draft pick. But that doesn't look like it's going to be the case. If the Grizzlies keep playing the way that they're playing, we're going to get like a 10th or 11th pick in the first round of the NBA draft. And then the Celtics also have their own draft picks, 28th and 30th. Um, 28th is their own, and the 30th is from the Milwaukee Bucks, which they got in a trade recently. So these are a couple guys to keep your eye out for. Um, I'm basically going to give you two guys to keep your eye out for for each pick that the Celtics has so for the 11th pick I'm literally like my brain is melting and I'm like and that's why I'm like a stuttering Stanley right now but for the 11th pick keep an eye out on Obi Topin from Dayton he's a power forward he's really good with pick and roll he's a very good pick and roll defender he's a a really good athlete he's thick he's big he's like what you would want Grant Williams to be but like five inches taller so keep an eye out on him. And then you have Jordan Noir from, um, oh, God, where is he from? He's from Louisville. He's a small forward. He can score, flat-out score. He is what I think the Celtics were hoping Romeo Langford would be. And Louisville has been a top-10 team all year this year. They have a real shot of making the Elite Eight, maybe even the Final Four if they keep playing the way that they are. And, you know, they are in the ACC. You know, Duke's there. North Carolina's not that good this year. Virginia uh, is still a really good basketball program. So keep an eye out for Jordan Noir. It's N-W-O-A-R. Small forward. He can score. He might be an interesting pick to take at the 11th spot. It might be a little too high for him, but I I think he's good enough to be a lottery pick. Absolutely. And then the 28th pick, there are a couple big guys that you need. And one of them I would love to have on the team. The first is Jalen Smith from Maryland. He's a center. He is an beast he's large and in charge he is i'm trying to find a comparison to him in the nba um he's hmm i'm trying to think give me a second here while i think do 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 i honestly can't think of someone right now i feel you know what he's kind of like yeah i honestly he hmm. he's kind of like julius randall but like thicker He's very athletic. He can rebound the ball very well, but he's just like, he's thick. He's big boned. And I think he'd be a nice fit for the Celtics at center if they want to get rid of Poirier or if Cantor leaves or Tice or Time Lord don't work out. He might be a good guy to come off the bench that's just like big. But the guy that I really like who's a who's a center from Minnesota is Daniel Oturu. He is one of those low-risk, 
extremely high reward guy that could go late in the first round and you would be thrilled kind of like Brandon Clark for example you know he went late and you could now argue that he is probably one of the top eight best guys from this past year's draft class the way that he's playing so far so Daniel Aturu O-T-U-R-U from Minnesota big guy can play well loves scoring off the pick and roll has good hands really like him I hope he he can come to the Celtics and then the 30th pick, again, these are just reaches. Hopefully they work out kind of like what Carson Edwards looked like in Vegas and in the preseason. You have Cassius Stanley from Duke. He's a shooting guard. He's a freshman. He should probably stay an extra year. But if he doesn't, he's a good, strong. He's kind of like what, J- what Jalen Brown is, but just like the Walmart version of Jalen Brown. He's a lefty. He can shoot the ball pretty well. He's athletic. He's a good defender. He can finish strong at the hoop. So keep an eye out on him. And then you have Tra- uh, Trendon Watford. From LSU, he's another small forward that can score the ball. He's a very good defender as well. Another wing. If you know, if they want to get rid of Shemi, this would be a good replacement for for the Celtics if they got if they got rid of um, Shemi. Trendon Waterford. So yeah, keep an eye out on Topin from Dayton, Noir from Louisville, Jalen Smith from Maryland, Daniel Aturu, Cassius Stanley, and Trendon Watford. And you know, maybe at the end of January, I'll do like another update to see how all those guys are playing and all that. So. That is it for episode 62 of the Banner Bancher Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really and truly appreciate it. Happy New Year. Um, my New Year's resolution is hopefully producing better podcasts for you. I hope you guys are enjoying it. And if you do enjoy it, please leave me a five-star rating, a four-star rating. Something above a three would be delicious and nutritious, not only for you, but for myself. And leave me you know, a little rating as well, You know, like a little description of why you think it's a, a three, four, or five-star podcast. If you think the podcast sucks, then I don't even know why you're listening. But thanks so much for listening. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBancherPodcast. Happy New Year to all. Hope Everyone's New Year's resolutions are successful. And that's it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night. Good night.